Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 277. You are joined by the extraordinary lyricist, songwriter, and powerhouse vocalist, Emily Armstrong of the award-winning rock band, Dead Sarah. Hear all about the blood and passion that went into their phenomenal new album, Ain't It Tragic, available everywhere now. We discuss her incredible collaboration with the enigmatic film composition geniuses, the Newton Brothers for Nicholas Pesha's The Grudge, the thrill of going back on the road for live shows, and so much more. Episode 277 with Emily Armstrong of Dead Sarah starts now. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studios, a wonderfully talented singer, songwriter, and musician. Her band released their first EP, The Airport Sessions, in 2008, and its impact was felt like a seismic event. Anyone who was exposed to the band couldn't stop talking about them. Other musicians like Courtney Love had to work with them. Icons like Grace Slick and Dave Grohl sung their praises, the latter saying they should be the next biggest rock band in the world, and he was right. Upon releasing their debut full-length album on their own label, Pocket Kid Records, in 2012, it soared to the upper echelon of the Billboard chart, the single Weatherman topping Loudwire's best songs. It earned our guest a nomination for Rock Goddess of the Year. They ruled the Vans Warped Tour and were the band Muse chose to bring out on the road. In the midst of this, their second album, Pleasure to Meet You, was created, going once again to the top of the Billboard chart, followed by an EP of cover songs and the sixth song, Temporary Things Taking Up Space, that was a fantastic adventure and experimentation, delving further into their pop influence, love of melody, and opening themselves up to collaboration. They've been featured by the most renowned music publications in the world, from Rolling Stone to Fuse, performed on the stages of late night talk shows, blowing us away on Jimmy Kimmel Live and Seth Meyers, and even did a guest stint on CW's massive hit TV series, The Vampire Diaries. Well, they're back with their third album, and it changes everything. The band has crawled into themselves, and this amazing thing has awoken. It's breathtakingly intimate, cathartic, and powerful. It's thoughtful, brazen, and beautiful. It's Ain't It Tragic. We're honored to welcome singer Emily Armstrong of Dead Sarah. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, hi! The whole thing is on mute. Can you say that again? <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's the best. Listen, you couldn't say it any better. Dude. Thank you so much for joining us for a bit, Emily. We are yes. massive fans of yours. And I mean, yeah, congratulations yeah. on this incredible collection of songs and the return of playing live, which is about to happen. Yeah. So. Now, we know there are a couple of L.A. dates there as well, which we are super stoked to see. But can you yeah. put into words what the live experience is like from your perspective in terms of how important that aspect of the band is for your soul and what it's been like to have that nerve kind of cauterized over the past little while? Yeah, I mean, 
I'm just, I'll add the heart to the soul, like you just said, because it is literally the heart and soul of Dead Sarah playing live. Um, Every song kind of gets more, um, we tried to add more elements in this album, like we would do and what you would hear and what you would see live, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, transfer over to um, recording uh, necessarily. So yeah, I'm just really excited to to go. We've been rehearsing these songs. We've played the whole album now and it's great. It's so fun. It's so, I can't even quite figure it out. I can't quite get it just yet. I we still have a couple more weeks and yeah. I think I'll finally get to fully understand it, but it's different, you know, in a way where I, I get to, I get to have more of a world, you know, on, on stage and live. Um, which is so much more for me to even to entertain people with as well, you know, and not just have those first two albums, which is, you know, they are fucking great, you know, but I think this, this new album has more of that expansive um, layering and, uh, you know, a little bit of experimentation of it. And, and I can't wait to, 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 to really, really grasp that live and, 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 and have, you know, uh, fans there with it. So Basically, it's a Broadway. I'm going to yeah, Broadway. Right. So before we, we start diving into the album in particular, uh, we wanted to say that being first with Bloody Disgusting, we have to ask you about this. One of the many amazing things that you've been a part of in between Temporary Things and Ain't It Tragic is that you showed up on the end song for Nicholas Pesh's movie, The Grudge. <laughs> with the track we get what we deserve and that's a collaboration with the newton brothers who we are absolute ginormous fans of what was the story behind that collab i mean they reached out to us and you know they're they basically essentially were like hey you know like we're big fans we really want you to uh you know possibly write something or be part of this movie and you know wondering if you guys could try something out and I feel like they had some kind of idea. Yes, they did. They had like a, like a little bit of a demo type of a thing sure. with a vibe, with a vibe. And we we're like, Oh, okay. We had some time, you know? And we were like, okay, we have an idea as well that we could put on top of that. So we basically just took like this, there was a beat or something and we just, you know, pulled it apart and kind of reconfigured it. And then I wrote the, you know, the melody and the lyrics pretty quickly. We, we went into the studio, we met them out in Burbank and, um, watched it, you know, I mean, they took out the scary parts. So I only watched about 12 <laughs> minutes of it. But, <laughs> wrote down a bunch of things that I thought would be cool as lyrics, you know, from it. And that was the first time I've ever really done that. I felt like a true songwriter. I was like, mm, well, tell me about this, you know, <laughs> or like a therapist. Or something. Sure. Tell me more, you know, and just writing it all down. And um, so I just kind of had these pages and I was like, oh, these are cool. And we went to our studio, our rehearsal space, and we just literally put it down right then and there. And it was that fast. And we sent it to them and we're like, how is this kind of idea? And they're like, this is fucking great, you know, and a little bit more back and forth. And, you know, we got it 
to where we were both really happy with it, you know? And that was fucking sick. That was just like a really fun experiment, you know? And it was, it was, it, it went down beautifully. There's the yeah. entire section of that track where you're unleashing like these terrifying screams. <laughs> Like there's a whole part where it looks like the grudge yeah. is attacking you in the studio. It sounds like that's happening. Yeah. What was yeah. what that was, was going really on there? Did you just do that and come up with that? Or were you watching anything yeah. when that happened? What happened? God, I don't remember. Maybe it was like a little snippet that kind of snuck through and I got really scared. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I I don't I, I wonder if there was something that they kind of had already in as an idea of like somebody was yelling or something. And I just took it to a whole nother level. It could have been that it happened so fast. Like when I tell you, like it was written mixed and everything in like a week, you know, and then it's a lot of back and forth too. So that's like time is involved, but it was so fast. And I can't really remember. I was just kind of like, I like to do things like that though, you know, and especially if it's not going to be on an album and stuff, just, just, you know, go ham. You don't have to ever play this live. And uh, we just thought that that would sound good for, for a, a horror film. I love how heavy that track is. And, and uh, Andy and Taylor, they're just creative geniuses, much like yourself and your band. What was the songwriting <laughs> approach? Was it different than that of your band? And, and did you pull, was it just a whole different approach or something very, common very uh you know familiar to what you already know well it's definitely us but having a foundation almost already that's somebody else's idea so that was that was the the unknown part you know i don't know how to quite say that i mean it was instead of just doing it from scratch which it would have been very dead sarah would have been different I think there's like some kind of like drum stuff like yeah. uh, that was they, them, you know? So that wasn't something that we would have necessarily come up with, but there was definitely a different approach where it was just like, okay, we don't have to be us. And that was inspiring because it still sounded like us, you know? So we're like, wait, like, should we always think outside the box? Like, <laughs> Duh. You know? <laughs> like, why do we, why are we always being like, but does it sound like dead Sarah? Like, fuck. Yeah, it does. Shut up. You know, yeah. just do you, you know, and it's going to sound like that. So that yeah. was like a, yeah. a funny moment that, that came out of that. Let's get into ain't it tragic. So whereas temporary things seem to be this kind of wonderful trip outside the band going on this awesome adventure and bringing in people like Simon Katz, who's worked with Jamiroquai and the great Tommy English as well on this new one. It feels like the band really, as we said at the top, kind of crawled back into itself and emerged with its own beating heart in its palms. Here you go, listener. So what did you find that the insanity of the pandemic and the lockdown, what did that unlock for you in the band? insanity. No. Um, I think we always wanted to produce it ourselves. We, ha we, we, we've, uh, you know, like I'd say over the past four years, even with temporary things, we, we wanted to produce like Sean Friday was our drummer was coming up as a producer and he was really owning it. We've done all of our own demos essentially in our rehearsals room that we've been in for probably 10 years now. 
so we know our room we kind of know our sound because of all the demos and stuff that we've done before before going in with producers and and, and such so going into this album we started with noah shane again who's done the first two albums mm -hmm. And um, we got a few songs like really ready and we got Warner like hyped and ready to be like, cool, it's ready to go. Like you guys are like, this is going somewhere. This is something great. You guys are on it. Go ahead. And then the pandemic happened <laughs> and we were just about to go in the studio and it was like literally that week we were supposed to go in the studio with him but I believe it worked out for the best because it wasn't done. The album wasn't done, but I think we, you know, you've heard the album, uh, lover stay wild was written pretty much fully written at that time. And we did like that. Uh, that a lot of bands were doing from each person would play their own part yeah. and like in the respected home. And it would right. be like boxes like this right mm -hmm. now. And we did that with lover stay wild. And because we were like, what are we going to do right now? Like, like this, I don't know what the fucking world's up to, there's no prediction. And the label, we asked the label, we said, could we put this out? And they're like, wait, this is actually really good. You know, you guys, this is, wait, nah, you guys should be doing the album. Just go do it on your own. So at that point we were like, oh shit. Yeah. Wow. What a thought, you know? And so they were like, whatever you guys need to record, you know, at your homes or in your rehearsal space, whatever. And um, that's what we did. They were just like, here, go do it. And so it was us in our rehearsal room figuring it out. We had to be our own engineers and producer. And we had Noah Shane like on FaceTime, you know, we'd send him stuff that we would do. And then we would spend, you know, a couple more days really, really hashing out some songs and then went back and forth for a little bit until we started to really get our own groove in like our, our, our own. We fucking figured out what we wanted. And it, it, it's nothing that's talked about like, oh, we found it. It was just like, holy shit. Yeah. And then we just kept going and we were so deep in it in ourselves and we didn't have people to show it to necessarily, mm. you know, except for maybe our significant others and our neighbor, but like it was, and there's something nice about that going from temporary things where it was like a collaborative effort with the whole music industry. <laughs> and then you're going to yourself <laughs> with ain't a tragic where it's just you. Yeah. And it's like, we're not even like we have a producer, but it's like, we're doing this, you know, like we yeah. learned a lot, especially from temporary things, you know, because those first two albums too, you got to realize like that was all we knew. Like we didn't, you know, like we were self-taught. So I think doing temporary things really was like school for us sure. and being like, Oh wow. Like that's how people write a song. Like I never thought to do that. Or like, fuck, I would never do that. So it's all kind of things like that, where it's like it solidified us as writers more so. So we had that confidence going into this album, going, fuck it, we don't need anybody. The Boo Crew will be right back. Now, prepare yourself for the most gruesome and grotesque horror film experience of them all. The Bloodorama Shock Festival. Vampires, ghouls, half-human monsters, and creatures from the world of the undead all joined together in one fright-filled, fantastic cavalcade of the weird, 
and bizarre. The Floodorama Shock Festival. Are you ready for more than four hours of chill-crammed terror? Join Christopher Lee, Greta Tyson, Kent Taylor, and John Ashley in search of new hideous horrors. You'll see men turn into maniacs and dead beings turn into living, breathing, unholy beasts that kill at the command of a half-mad fiend. It's all there and in bloodletting, gory color. Don't be afraid. See the Bloodorama Shock Festival if you dare. I'm interested, what effect did crafting and tracking this stuff in the place where you play and dream have on what we're hearing? Uh, you mean like our rehearsal space? Yeah, like just to be able to, to take that finality of the recording process into a place that's your creative space. Was there something extra freeing about that? Do you find it gave the songs a different life that they wouldn't have in some other studio somewhere? Absolutely. I believe it gave it all. I, I, I would, I would never like, I was happy to do it in the rehearsal space. I wasn't thinking I, I, I would rather do it in my, like even before I've even said it before. And even Noah Shane is like, there's something about this room that sounds really good with your drum, Sean. We've been in there for 10 years. So we know that room. There's something comfortable about it, but also very, something very stagnant about it. <laughs> there's like no there's no windows there's no it's a basement sure. basically <laughs> right um and i i think i think it, it gave it that extra like there's nothing inspiring about it you know so you kind of had to turn it on a little bit more and push yourself it, yeah. that much harder yeah. you know you're not relying on Oh my God, this is such a great room. You know, Led Zeppelin played in here, you know? Right, like, right. No. Yeah, none of that stuff's there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's and right. it's a fucking room where it's like, there's a transformer in there or some shit. So it just has this buzz and like our only people that are going to come in is like DWP to check, you know? <laughs> it's just, you know, you have to really turn it on yeah. extra. Yeah. So it just made the songs like, you can almost like, put the song against that. And if it made it feel alive, you knew you were going somewhere with the song. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And having not had the opportunity yeah. to maybe season half this material in front of an audience before, is right. there also a different kind of magic that this record get, got imbued with because you were approaching a lot of these songs with eyes wide open? Yeah. I mean, for all we knew, we were like, we probably will never be able to play live again. Like, might as well say what you want to say. You know, if the world's going to listen, like, what are you going to say? The album That's begins that. with starry eyed. It's mm -hmm. sweeping, massive, gave me the feeling I got from staring at my parents' ELO records when I was a kid, yeah. like a sci-fi rocket launch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of thought do you put into the emotional arc of this album in particular? what kind of attention is put into the journey of being able to go through it from cover to cover, if that makes sense, right? First song to last song. You do that with, uh, on the first album with Whispers and Ashes too, this big cinematic open. 
it opens like a book that you're, you're going to sit down and you know digest the whole thing. Do you guys think of it in terms of that? And do you design that experience? Yeah, I, I think so. And it, it's something that just kind of happens like starry eyed. We're like, Oh yeah, this is the beginning of the album. Like before we even like finished writing like a year before the album was even done, we were wow. like, this is the beginning. And then we always end on album on like a slower, but very heartfelt, you know, like um for you i am on the second album like that that shit is just very emotional and we did the same thing here with losing but it's it, it's such a weird thing because it's not very thought out you know it just happens and it's a weird thing and the fact that they're all 11 songs too wasn't necessarily something that it was like very planned out like okay these 11 songs are going to be on it was just kind of like happened like we weren't like it didn't we didn't weren't trying to stick to some kind of rule but obviously i don't know there's some dead sarah magic at play there i tell you (laughs) well using starry-eyed as a as an example of this too which i i I love your melodic sensibility and it's so delightfully unexpected for them to go where you take them and that's when we get chills for instance like we don't anticipate how the ends of those choruses and starry-eyed are going to go and when you take them there it's unexpected and that's we get the hairs on the back of our neck when you come up with your melodies is that a feeling you chase what guides you in that search who knows I don't know what it is. I mean, yeah. I'd like to know, but they just feel right. So, yeah, but you kind of don't want to know. You don't want to be so, uh, you know, like this is what's going to work. Yeah. You want that kind of where we do. I'm just singing and I'm so in it and this is what happens. But it's Sean this time to be like, Emily, like, that's great. If you could just stay up right here, though, just do that. And see what that sounds like. I'm like, I don't know, dude, but I'll fucking do it. And then, you know, I listened to it back and I'm like, oh, okay. Like he really pushed me in a way where he was just like, he would tweak a lot of things, you know? He's like, start here. Like, but my voice doesn't go this low. Okay, we're going to switch the album, like the uh, switch, you know, we're going to pitch it down the whole song. Oh, cool. Because I believe that this song, like you need to be in this register to get here. So we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, that makes, like, if you listen to Starry Eyed, it's the lowest song I ever had. But then I fucking go way up, you know? Yeah. And he's the one that kind of really made the most of that, where I necessarily wouldn't have pictured it like i'll just kind of go off on feeling i fucking love this and i love what i'm saying and i want you to feel it man and then you'd be like great now how do we get it to really be like that (laughs) 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 um and so it was a lot of tweaking and 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 then giving it time like okay we're just gonna put this away emily i know like you're don't quite think of it just just give it time and that was a thing with this pandemic was we were grateful for was time and we were able to sit and let things 
marinate and visit back. And I go, holy shit, that was awesome. That actually works. No, Whereas I don't necessarily think that we would have had that in the past. And I would have just gone back to things that I thought were just good. And because we had to move on and it was safe. Yeah. The, the hero's video is such a fun example and use of a fisheye lens perspective. And it has that cool nineties vibe of fun music videos. Talk about that fun concept of shooting in confined spaces and just making it a fun video overall. I mean, we, <laughs> we actually, uh, <laughs> it's funny. We had somebody else shooting it before. So we had a whole different concept, whole other thing. It was like a friend's recommendation of somebody, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, I know him. He, he did some editing on anyway, I'm not going to, get any further because it didn't really go down very well but um he basically started it and we spent a lot of time on it most i've ever done on a music video but he wasn't quite getting what it was like thought out to be at the beginning like nothing and we were just like oh no this is just not no this is not cutting it you know people we all just were like no this is not good so we had like a little bit of money left in the budget (laughs) And, um, we just hit up our, our, our buddy, Matt Odom. And we were like, dude, save us. And he's like, fuck yeah. On it. I have this idea. And I was like, we have this idea. And it was like so quick, you know, and this is when heroes is supposed to come out earlier. So we were on a deadline and that's why it feels very DIY, you know, cause we only had like a weekend to do it. And, um, we just raided our friend, uh, Gracie's closet. You know, she has like the best clothes and, um, that's why there's a lot of like, we're all wearing the same thing <laughs> yeah. and then we're kind of switching off the clothes. <laughs> like right. that was an idea I had, you know, I was like, let's just all wear the same thing. And we're like the music, the, 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 the instruments too. Like we're all just one, like that's kind of the feeling with ain't it tragic too. When we're recording, it's just like, whoever has the idea, just put it down. And so it just had that 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 feeling and um it came out very well because it was just very us uninspired we are feeling that song so much i mean it sums up absolutely everything we are all feeling and with that line i gotta write a hit song all my unemployment's gone where's my inspiration quite literally in so many words that exact conversation of i was like everybody i know yeah yeah what what have you been doing to be okay or at least to just deal with everything and to be able to get up in the morning and you know go write a song uh um tequila yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's been fucking hard right I've definitely I mean, drank yeah. a lot more yeah this past year oh yeah we all have yeah. yeah um no i think just doing this album if i what if we didn't have this to wake up to and go to every day I would have lost my mind. I did lose my mind a little bit on this album in a great way. I would have lost my mind in a bad way. I just had, I'm that kind of person where I love to be busy and especially working on something that you love to do. And if the unemployment is going to pay you to do an album, fucking do it. And this is, you got this time to do this album 
<laughs> they're paying you. You don't have to work or anything. Yeah. Use this time every fucking day that you have. This is the greatest opportunity to do an album, <laughs> you know? And um, that's where that line, I mean, it, it, that song, I was very like down on myself at that day, uh, on that day. And I was just like, what is anything? Why is this? And too much bad news, you know, could really just the culmination, like, there's so much of it that just keeps stacking on you and it, it can weigh you down some days when you, when you're in the studio and you don't realize it until you're there and oh, you're like, course. I don't want to be doing this right now. Yeah. And so Sean was there, you know, and we just had each other to really pick each other up, you know, and we were really good at that. Like sensing if something is wrong and being there like a family, you know, and, and I was just kind of, and he started kind of riffing around on a, uh, a guitar line. I think that was him just kind of going, ding, ding. it was for a different song, but I just was listening to that. And I was like, I'm uninspired. Cause I just like read that little line that I wrote by pretty boys and rock and roll bands. And he was like, what's that? That's so cool. And I was just like, literally felt it. And I was like, what the fuck? I just, and it was like written in that day. Like it was just everything. I was like, I'm not inspired by anything. I'm uninspired by it, but obviously I'm inspired by being uninspired. It's like this meta fucking thing. And it was great. It was great. And it was written so fast. And now it's a gift for us that we get to, we get to take that and, and have it be the anthem for this bullshit that we're all going through right now. Yeah, and, uh, the only thing it. is we don't have your amazing yeah. voice to give it the power that we need it to get. That's why yeah. it's so cathartic listening to dead Sarah. <laughs> Good. And Good. now we get yeah. to go and have that experience with you live as you build this experience live which is so cool so that kicks off on the 11th and you got gigs all the way into what january with the ship rocked event yeah as well so that's so exciting i'm hoping there's going to be more in between there but if we have that downtime sean and i were like let's just start recording again yeah why not (laughs) yeah why not Get, get a head start yeah yeah is this the plan going forward will you ever leave that rehearsal space for any other studio I really hope so. But also like if we just had like a new rehearsal room. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a proper studio. Just a room. Since touring was, you know, put on pause for all these, you know, these months, did any new ideas for your live shows come about? Like what can the fans yeah. expect uh, at your upcoming tour dates? Yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier about like this album and how it it it, it it has more space to, to be something bigger alive. Um, we actually, we have our friend um, coming on tour with us to do an ex- extra guitar. Oh, cool. So some songs I don't really want to play guitar on, he could play, but also three guitars on some, a lot of the songs um, really getting those little pieces that were in albums, like little like guitar lines that we don't necessarily play live. That is really going to make it, even more like the song. Very cool. And he's actually our neighbor that we met um, during this pandemic. Oh, he's cool. Going on tour with us. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I want to be your neighbor. Well, Emily, we won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for gifting Dude, us some you. of yours today. We really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 277. Special thanks to our guest, Emily Armstrong. Follow her at Emily Armstrong and at Dead Sarah on Instagram. And check out Dead Sarah's new album, Ain't It Tragic, available everywhere now. Music on this episode from Dead Sarah. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.